Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different. have reached the wellness center of comfy enlightenment. We are currently closed. Sorry we missed you. Well, I'm not sorry. That shit's on you. And if you were halfway paying attention, you would have known any self-respecting spa doesn't run 24 hours. But what does time matter to your luxurious ass? For English, press 1. For any other language, too bad. Want to piss me off? Press 3. Want to keep pushing it? Press 4. Got a death wish? Press 5. Hope to see your family again? Don't press a fucking thing. Your wellness is important to us. Thank you. And namaste. In the words of Alex Rogers, episode 33, it's not important, it's special. There you go. That's it. Little more. You're almost there. There you are, little one. I have been present. For the birth of every little creature on this island. Or something like that. You all remember Dr. Hammond from the first Jurassic Park? No, it all started with Jurassic World. Redo. Oh, God. This is Alex Rogers reporting and recording from a timeless zone in which your listening is... The now. 
And I am dialed in, centered, and ready to go. This is a trip, my friends. I'm currently looking into the eyes of a painting of my great-grandfather, who in this picture must be he actually definitely is younger than I currently am. This must be a man in his late teens or no older than 20 or 21. And what's crazy is it's dated here too, 1903. So someone painted this portrait of him in 1903. Wow. Imagine being a young person and you're seeing the turn of the century, and you're seeing the use of electricity entering the scene, unlike an industrial domestic level. You haven't, you haven't even seen any of the world wars yet. You have no idea what's coming in terms of television and telephones and radio and everything else. The internet is unthinkable at that point. Amazing. And you know generally in life, you kind of know your own face. So when I look at the face of my great-grandfather, and by the way, his name was and is Alec. And as you all know very well, my name is Alex. So from the C to the X and one man to the next, hello, great-grandfather. He was a wood carver, a sculptor, and I believe just, you know, an artist all around. And uh, he was Scottish as well. And um, although I don't think it was quite as, uh, you know, like, he certainly didn't sound like Sean Connery. That would have been very funny. This is a message to my future grandchild. Although you can't hear me because I'm from 1903 and there's no recording device yet. But this is a telepathic communication from the past to the future to let you know that this is going to be the first voice you ever do as you go into your wild shenanigans. And that is true. That was the first voice I ever dabbled with when I started to get into voices, Mr. Sean Connery. But yes, back to the family. Well, it's actually perfect that I'm looking at this portrait. And why am I looking at this portrait? Well, I am not in Los Angeles at the moment. I am currently visiting some family and I have traveled to the great Northwest. Go west, my boy. There's no more west to go. Well, then go northwest, my boy. Okay. So we're up in Washington, baby. Washington, D.C. No, 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 no. State. And, whoop, do you hear that phone ringing? By the way, you are. I'm, I'm downstairs in my uncle's house. And they have uh, allowed me to uh, use the room down here. And it's wonderful being around family. I'm seeing my mom again. I'm around some aunts, some uncles, some cousins, some of the cousins' kids. So we got all ages. And uh, you may be hearing some of them in the hallways and upstairs. So this is a, a fun little thing. I also don't even have a mic stand right now. I'm holding my little outdated microphone that I should probably update at some point, uh, like a little uh, mechanical corn on a cob right here. The difference is I won't bite into this. Uh, that's better for everyone's sake. 
So if you hear any clicks and buzzes and bumps, you'll know why. It's beautiful up here, though. I'll tell you that much. I really love the air, although <laughs> a bit smoky today because now is about the time of year where, nope, it ain't just California. It's now the entire West Coast. It's on fire yearly. And um, for the first few days, it was that kind of crisp, cool, nice air. And eh, admittedly, it's been a little smoky. Last night, there was a really nice uh, <clears throat> fingernail moon, as my grandmother used to say. One of those uh, good crescents, and it was actually the color of Halloween orange. And at first you go, oh, how magical. And then you realize, oh, it's because uh, the world's burning. Oh, well, isn't that still magical? <laughs> yeah, it was a smooth flight over here, too. I was more than expecting to deal with a bunch of belligerent people. In fact, I'm kind of disappointed that there wasn't some half-chubby, half-intelligent, mostly loser, basic, chump U.S. American who wasn't wearing a mask and who was yelling at everyone going, I got rights! I have the right to a lawyer! <laughs> Do you rem anyone here remember the first Dirty Harry? When Clint has the bad guy helpless about mid-movie and he's he's shot him in the leg and he's stepping on the leg to like get the guy to talk and the whole time the guy's going, I have the right to a lawyer. I have the right to a lawyer. Um, that has nothing to do with anything. It's just goddamn funny. And my friend Bobby and I, back in high school, used to say that all the time. And nowadays, I think of it as just sort of like, yeah, just someone who is using that line a little too late and for the wrong reasons. But yeah, no, everyone was well-behaved. In fact, there weren't too many people on the plane, so everyone got to kind of spread themselves out and all the better. I love how we've now finally reopened travel. And... Because we know that social distancing is part of keeping everyone healthy, we've made sure that you're all crammed together in this impossibly tight space. Boom! Do you hear that? That's the only sound of hope you're going to hear for the next two and a half hours. Enjoy! Hey, at least it was only that long. You know, other family members were coming from farther distances. And uh, I'm just kind of amazed that I've already now traveled again for the first time since this whole change in reality. But um, it's really nice being in this town. And let me say, good job, Washington, on your weed. And too bad I'm not actually talking to President Washington, even though you know that guy blazed as well. You know they all did. I'd like to congratulate you, Mr. Washington, on your fine crop. Oh, don't thank me. Thank the help. At this point, filmmakers don't know what to do with it because we try to revere the first president, but when he refers to the help, we know what that means, and we know that the help did not help voluntarily. Turn the page for the next part of Sordid Real History. But yes, Washington State has got some wonderful weed. Well-grown, well-cared-for weed. And the prices ain't half bad neither. And uh, I've been enjoying some lovely little pre-rolls. Which, which uh, sounds as weird as pre-flight. 
uh, why why pre-roll? It's already rolled. Did you did you? It's like hey, here's a joint. But but I should let you know, I pre-rolled it before I rolled it. Does that mean you thought of it before you did it? Yeah, man. But we call it pre-roll to make you think before you ink. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about, do you, Gus? Nope. You haven't known what you're talking about since 1985, have you? Nope. You're not even listening to the questions I'm asking, are you? Nope. All right. Keep smoking, buddy. Well, it's, uh, it's fun. I, you know, I, I assume, I know my, you know, my mother is pretty aware. I mean, she has to. I, she knew that I was working in a dispensary for the, all those years. I don't know if the rest of the family uh, knows that I smoke weed, but, um, Sure is lonesome being the only one in a family. It sure is a lonesome to be the only one who gets high. They all like their wine, but I only get high by myself. Wow, I, I'm, I keep making these songs that have no structure and no direction, but... Uh, that's half of America's playbook. It's a very encouraging town in terms of what all the houses at least are saying sign-wise in front. Because I gotta say, I'm, I'm quite gladdened and impressed that many a house here has uh, BLM signs, Black Lives Matter. And along with that, other great messages that are in the name of awareness and inclusion. And what's interesting, and almost not a surprise to me, sure enough, in this pretty liberal paradise in which I find myself, there's a house down the way. (laughs) Welcome. Racist signs, complicated, dumb politics. This man is 75 years at least out of touch. Uh, Yeah, there's this guy who has so many signs out front that are just begging to be hated. And I've called it hate house. Um... I actually, you know, on this podcast, if you notice, I don't get too deep into politics. I'm going to let you kind of figure it out. Let's put it this way. I am not a Trump supporter, never have, never will be. Uh, but I I look deeper into people than who they voted for and all. And, and it's, it's, you know, I have feelings about that guy. And this guy definitely had pro feelings about that. Uh, but it is, but I also don't have to, you know... At this stage in my life, and now that the guy's fully out of the office, I don't really have to punish people who are keeping his name alive. Unless they come and hurt, uh, you know, as long as you just keep it to your dumb signs on your dumb house, then that's fine. But sure enough, this person had all these signs that are like, Every time you egg my house, I give $100 to the Trump campaign for re-election. You know? <laughs> and then really conflicting signs like, Black Lives Matter is not 
a, a good message and it should be eradicated from the conversation. And then right next to it is Frederick Douglass was a true American. And you're like, well, okay, buddy, you got you to gotta pick one or the other. What, what are we doing here? Yeah, it, it, it's, it is funny. And, you know, people have already tagged one side of the house. Big spray-painted letters saying racist across this house. And, and then next to that, more posted signs saying, I'm a white, straight, conservative U.S. American. Have I pissed you off enough today? <laughs> now, me... I think it's pretty funny. And why? Because it's the one sourpuss in this very green energy, racially inclusive, smiling, woke, happy, supportive, arts and crafts, let's bike today and cut down on gas emissions town. It's the one sourpuss. It's the one Ebenezer Scrooge. The one Oscar the Grouch. And you know what? I feel like you almost gotta pity the guy. Now, it doesn't just end there. We don't just go, more. you should keep one eye open, maybe, on a guy like this. And for a town that is doing a lot of good work showing on their front lawns these wonderfully true signs about how black people, gay people, trans people... Even something we all thought most of the world was on board with, like science. When you hold these principles and these people to be true and that they matter, sometimes we run the risk of being complacent and figuring, well, my neighbors and I all have the right messages. Isn't the work done? No, because the evidence of it is hate house. Hate house is a reminder that the work still must be done and this nation still needs some healing and some balancing. On the movie viewing front, you know me, I, I got nothing too new in terms of uh, genre because I'm still doing the classics deep dive. Um, but yeah, uh, some recent titles here, 1944, Double Indemnity. Now, that's a big one that I've heard about for years. That one is definitely usually in the top five or ten list of noir cinema you must see before you die or before you go into a long coma or before you smoke so much weed you wake up on Tuesday when you remember that you took your last hit on last Friday. Th that kind of list right there. Double Indemnity was really um, surreal and more than I had expected. And essentially, it's a plot we almost know all too well. Uh, a guy kind of down on his luck meets a lady who's just wowing his world, but one catch, she has a husband, but she doesn't like this husband. The husband doesn't like her. She likes this new guy. New guy is an insurance salesman. He realizes, hey, all we have to do, and she seems to already be suggesting it too, they're kind of like perfect, dangerous lovers because right when they meet, they almost mutually hatch the plan, let's off your husband, but before that, let's get him to uh, 
sign in on some kind of insurance policy that so that when he dies and when he dies in the perfect way that we try to manipulate to make it appear he dies a certain way we get cha-ching double indemnity you get basically twice the payout that you normally would from this kind of death or you know life insurance you realize life insurance means death insurance at least insurance has duality locked into its very nature well, of course, as these stories go, and as you, if you know better, whenever you watch these, you kind of know this shit is going to go south and sour. It ain't going to be this perfect plan, and probably these lovers are going to double-cross one another, but you'll have to find out why and how. Um, one of the things I loved about it is that it really played with shadows. And yeah, black and white movie. And this is Billy Wilder who directed it. I think he did Sunset Boulevard. I realize I need to do a lot more Billy Wilder uh, escapades. But it was a really, really like, just kind of like a, a strange, wonderful experience. And uh, yeah, definitely recommend that one. And then I did a little uh, a twosome uh, a couple days ago and I sort of loosely refer to them as the hitchhiking double feature. Or I should say the Hitchhiking Gone Wrong double feature. Because these are not like road trip movies by any stretch of the imagination. The first one, um, 1945, Detour. And uh, who was that director again? I didn't... Well, let me see. Did I write it down? Did I write it down? Oh, by the way, speaking of that... George Carlin. And uh, I think one of, it's either in Class Clown or Occupation Fool. Uh, one of those excellent, one of those two excellent albums that he did back in the day. Um, he has this bit where he's like, remember when you were a kid, man? And you come out and just, you know, you enter the room and you go, yeah, man, don't ever lose that, man. Don't ever lose that. And that's, um, that's true. You don't ever want to lose that. And my little cousin uh who who i got to meet again here and and in having this family reunion she is so funny she is that of that imaginative age where she told me all about the names of her uh stuffed animals how they're related to each other what magical spells they're able to make what color crystals represent their power i mean this you know i'm getting the full story from this little girl and she said something profound to me last night. She said, everyone's favorite color is in the rainbow. And that was just unbelievably cool. It's like, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. And notice if you listen to, if you've been listening to these episodes, I talked about a time where another little, little precious angel came up and she said to me, uh, May you have a magical rainbow unicorn day. What? And you know, both of these said in the moment, spontaneous. In fact, uh, my little cousin's mother said to her, did you, did you hear that, sweetheart? Or did you just come up with that? I just came up with that. Of course she just came up with that. So that was, that was really cool to hear. And notice that both of these little ones are holding on to the rainbow and kind of sharing with me the magic of the rainbow. 
and don't you forget it. So just as George Carlin remembers, you know, reminds us to not let go of the da 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 while you're da 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 don't lose the rainbow. Don't ever, you know what sucked? I remember seeing boys my age, around 12, 13, going, yeah, but pink is gay, purple's gay. Hey man, first of all, gay is okay. It's more than okay, it's cool. And first of all, that's not what you mean when you say that word, and I get what you mean, but it doesn't, purple and pink are as manly and womanly as ever you wish it to be. I love every color in the rainbow. Every color in the spectrum is cool. Hell, that's why you'll notice even in the font of my show that we're sporting some rainbow. So, that was a good little reminder. Oh, and one other hilarious thing, which I already know is going to be the title of this episode. I overheard uh, my little... So, so she's technically my cousin, but when it's your cousin's kid, it gets confusing. So it's my cousin's kid who's like my extended cousin. But this little one talking to her mother, I overheard them in the bedroom next over to mine. <laughs> Early in the morning, I, I think she was trying to get her mom's attention. And you kind of hear her mom sort of sleepily muttering back like, it can wait, it can wait. Let's 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 keep sleeping. Let's not get so active this early in the morning. And <laughs> all I hear is the little one go, it's not important. It's special. <laughs> How guilty do you feel about sleeping in now? <laughs> now, back to the film talk. Okay, so the Hitchhiking Gone Wrong double feature, starting with Detour. This was a, a, a simple little uh, plot where this guy down on his luck, who's actually, it's a really sad situation. He had this bombshell of a girlfriend who moved across the country to Hollywood and actually kind of made it immediately. And now he's sort of the doomed simp who thinks he still has a chance to get back with her, but he's going to hitchhike across the country. Not a very good luck, if you ask me. Honey, I'm here. Oh, how'd you find me? I hitchhiked. Oops. And uh, he then, of course, gets in a bit of the wrong car. Not because the guy is dangerous, but because the guy suddenly, mysteriously, dies. But the dude hitchhiking with him figures he's such a drifter and he's so down on his luck, no one's going to believe him that this guy just died. So he gets real extreme and assumes the dude's identity. And of course, by doing that, that's only going to get him further stuck in a bunch of plots coming up. Now, it was a quickie, too. I'm going to say that word again because I think it got messed up by the by where I'm holding the mic. It was a quickie, too, and uh, maybe a, an hour and 11 minutes. So that was a good, fun little romp. I've described enough of that one for, where you should just check it out and see how it turns out. Now, uh, and again, I think you're going to hear the voices up there. This is why I had to record this now. I needed to sit down before we get the full cast of characters back in this house. Um, now... The next one was 1953's The Hitchhiker. Now, I think The Hitcher, later on with Rutger Hauer in the 80s, um, was kind of like an update of this one. And, uh, but The Hitchhiker 
is very simply it's it's kind of a movie that I think was it was designed to scare the shit out of America to stop giving people rides on on the highway because sure enough it's about two dudes who finally get to get away from their wives they make the big mistake of telling them they're going in one direction when in fact they're going to go in the other because I think the wives oh yeah because they're going to go to uh, Mexico I think the wives are like you're going to be with all those senoritas and you're going to forget about it (laughs) so they're like we told the wives we were going to this place but we're going to go to Mexico well that's your first mistake then they pick up this dude who immediately puts them at gunpoint and they have to just kind of do whatever he says for most of the movie now I gotta be honest with y'all I think the movie was pretty well done, but I got real uncomfortable. Now, good for a black and white movie from the 50s to get me uncomfortable. But here's the gosh darn it truth about it, folks. I can do a lot of violence. I can do a lot of mayhem. What I realize I don't do well with is like torture porn movies and hostage movies. And sometimes they're put together. So when characters are under psychological torment and terrorism, and they have to do what someone is doing for a full run of a movie, I get real stressed out and scared. And I was noticing like I wasn't breathing well during the movie because it just it wasn't like fun suspense. And the thing that gets confusing and confounding in these moments is that you, the viewer, will notice moments where the people being held hostage totally have a gap right there. All you have to do is clock the guy in the jaw real quick. And you think, of course, that that's that simple. But the unfortunate truth is, if you're really in that situation, particularly if you're in the front seats of a car, but the guy in the back seat has the gun on you, you can't really do much. Um, It was actually very well cast. The acting was great. The dude they got, I forget his name, but he looked completely deranged they got a guy who literally had like a lazy one eye and the other one wide open and um he just seemed really sick uh the thing that was really uncomfortable about it too for some reason when i kind of heard the blurb about it i thought it was about a couple who is being held hostage no these are two grown men who are also older than this guy and they're both basically unmanned by this guy and I realize that's fucking uncomfortable to see sometimes I like seeing men fight each other in movies when there's kind of like an equal turf but one guy unmanning two dudes and dragging them through miles and miles of you can't go anywhere and if you try anything I and I'm going to slowly continually break you down psychologically Ah, it's it's just really uncomfortable. And I can only imagine even more so for anyone who's in that situation. But like it reminds me of one of the most unpleasant viewing experiences of my life was that fucking movie Funny Games. And of course it has a nice little silly title like Funny Games. But that is one of those social experiment movies where it's like, It's so meta. It's about a family being held hostage by two kind of clockwork orange youth looking guys 
But of course, they're so hip, they're going to break the fourth wall and talk to you, the viewer. And they're going to say, oh, do you feel sorry for this family? Well, too bad. You're used to all the good guys winning. But this movie, we are going to show you how nothing good happens in a real-life terrorism situation. Sorry, you have been lied to, and now for 90 minutes, we are going to torture you. And yeah, it's a German film as well, and that's why I get to do that silly voice. But, you know, that director, he that movie, he's so punishing to his audiences that he remade that movie about 15 years later. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> I can't, but can you believe that? Dude, it's like... I, you all thought you were safe. I, I love the sadism of this film. I love seeing a family, a mother, a father, and a little boy crying in the last hours of their life as two youths slowly break them down physically, mentally, and spiritually. There's nothing I love more. So don't you want to go through it again? I don't know, man. I'm not into that. The only time I think torture is appropriate is if a character really has earned it, has like been tormenting everyone, and then they get a taste of their own. That is fair enough. But oof. Or like, you know, the whole entire season that Theon Greyjoy was tortured into becoming reek by the hands of uh, Ramsay Bolton. That was super uncomfortable, and y'all who followed that journey know what I'm talking about. I don't know. It, and even though there's not much physical torment in The Hitchhiker, it's just that, that mental terrorism, that psychological torment of, if you make any sudden move, I'll kill you. And I've shown you enough signs that I definitely... And, you know, the guy shows he's capable of shooting. The guy has zero remorse. In fact, my one complaint about the movie is there there was really no dimension. In fact, I, I really hated and got annoyed by the bad guy because I wanted to see a little more, maybe like one moment. And there was, I think, I think at one point he kind of said like, you guys are soft and it's because you were brought up in the soft society. Me, I never got any breaks. But, you know, could could have been deeper into that. Now, I will give some great credit where credit is due. I have now seen probably close to 20 titles in this deep classics dive uh, that I've been doing thus far. And admittedly, I haven't run into one female director yet until The Hitchhiker. This woman, Ida Lupino. And why do I know that name? Don't you know that name? Doesn't that ring a bell? Ida Lupino. I don't know, Lupino, but we'll find out. But I believe she was an actress who then started directing. And how freaking amazing that this movie, which is about men tormenting each other, it's, it's really, a, a, there's really no female characters in this, quite honestly. It's the, the men who are captured, the man who is the uh, killer tormentor, and the male police who are trying to find them. And it's all directed by a woman. In fact, I want to say she even co-wrote the script. Now, that's really interesting. I, even I would have assumed that a very guy-oriented movie would be directed by a guy. 
I, I found that pretty impressive. I will admit it wasn't my... F it's not a fun movie unless you like that stuff. Some of y'all love that. Some of you are like... Oh my god, I love serial killer shows. Why? Oh, I just think, what would it be like if that man, f I, I mean, uh, uh, killed me? You were going to say something else, weren't you? Well, you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, it's scary. Um, th that kind of shit makes me a little scared. I, I like, I like, uh, like Quentin Tarantino bad guys. I like martial arts bad guys. I even like monsters. But like real life deranged people who are like, ah, here, I'm going to make you do things you don't want to do for the entirety of this movie. Ugh, it's a toughie. However, if you're brave enough, uh, maybe do that. The hitchhiker. Um, if you want something, I think that's a little more interesting and, and, and kind of gives you more to work with, go with detour. And I highly recommend also double indemnity. Well, that's that for now, my friends. We're going to wrap it up, and I'll see you all again in Los Angeles for the next one in the mean in-between. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your rhyme. In the Words of Alex Rogers is a podcast orbiting the mothership of Wild 7 Studios. Music by Inca Rose. Keep your ears open for storyscapes, simpin' after dark, and other audio goodies from Wild 7. And keep your eyes open for its first feature-length film, Debbie and the Devil.